good scent gives birth to love and life. We foster passion to grow geniuses which lift humanity. And tailor technology to preserve liberty in balance with nature. Welcome, Welcome to Radical. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents, boys and girls. So happy you guys are here. Uh, I hope you are having a great pre-Christmas week, uh, as am I, I got to tell you, being around family, having family in town, uh, and kind of just doing things you know, just a little slower at this time of year. It's awesome. I, I mean, I got to tell you, it's just, it is one of the best things in the world to be able to spend this much time uh, with family, with friends. And be kind of very, very present. It's it, it's amazing. Uh, there is a lot going on in the world. And I know there's a lot of people that are going through a lot of things right now. Uh, I would be lying uh, if I said I wasn't as well. Uh, this is just, I think, what is uh, what has been thrust upon us as people. Uh, this, you know, whatever your generation is, whether you're a millennial, Gen X, or uh, possibly a baby boomer that's listening to the show, uh, or even a zoomer, man, like you guys have been tapped. You've been, um, I guess promoted to take on these extremely challenging and changing times. And I think this is a, a real remarkable time and place to be. I don't think it's by coincidence. And the idea, you know, there's, I think, what is it? One in 400 trillion or something, which I think is still astronomically low, but 140 Four, one in 400 trillion that you were even born um, to begin with, right? Like that, that's, an, that's an astronomical number. To think that you were born and were meant for this time, if you stop believing in coincidence, means you were put here. You were empowered to do something during this time. You have what it takes to be some is an asset to your fellow human beings as we change, as we become a more enlightened species, as we cast off this ridiculous notion that we should be subservient to other men and women. I know, crazy idea, radical idea. Who's this guy, Shane? If you're here for the first time, you're all welcome. Uh, this, is a, this is a place for thinkers. This is a place for people who love their fellow human beings, that are tired of the state, that are tired of politics, that are tired of all the nonsense that's going on in D.C., at the WEF, at Davos, at the IMF, all these agencies and bureaucracies and government organizations and NGOs, the corporations that are plugged into those people that are just wicked and evil, and, of course, uh, the banks. First and foremost, you're going to find that uh, a lot of times this is who I'm obviously going after the hardest because this is, in fact, the banking cabal, the cartel, uh, as my friend Brian DeMitt, who wrote an awesome book, which I will get to eventually, Um I should say get through. I'm about three quarters through with it now. It's uh, Bitcoin Evangelism. If you haven't read it, I highly suggest it. Uh, Brian DeMent is a extremely talented author and very thorough, I might add. Um, the The book is somewhat, uh, I think, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a larger book uh, and it may look intimidating to some people. 
But I got to tell you, the wealth of knowledge that uh, that Brian has put into this book is really something special. Uh, if you can't uh, read it, if you don't have time because you're busy, you're working your butt off trying to make things happen, and you got a moment to listen on your way to work or on your way home from work or while you're working, I highly, 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 highly recommend uh, Brian DeMint's book. And uh, I'm going to have him on the show as soon as I finish it. Maybe next week, um, but definitely uh, if not next week, early into the new year. So um, today's show, I, I wanted to touch very briefly uh, something that I've just, I, I feel like I've seen this uh, play out year after year after year. You know, the, the Christmas special that comes on and like, I don't know. Um, you know, the Christmas story that's run all day on Christmas, you like, you know, it's coming and it's here. It's the omnibus bill that's, uh, in DC, right? Like the, the opposite of the, uh, the Christmas story. Oh, and if you haven't seen the follow-up to the Christmas story, I highly recommend that. It's a feel good show. I was, uh, I was skeptical of it at first too, but, uh, then I got to watch it with my kids, uh, and my wife. And I got to tell you, like, I'm just I don't know that uh, that guy. I wish I knew his name. Uh, who's the main character, Ralphie? Man, what a what a really great way to pay homage to a classic movie, uh, and then create something special that's followed up. I mean, all these years later. I mean, Ralphie's obviously a, a grown damn man. I think he's in his early fifties now, uh, but really good, great family movie. Great, uh, great homage, and just you know, another Christmas classic. I mean, to have two uh, Christmas classics. That guy's uh, that guy's done something right. But uh, at any rate, I wanted to play this one clip, maybe even two clips from um, from Rand Paul. Now, Rand, as far as Republican go, Republicans go, he's a pretty good guy. Uh, I've had conversations with Rand. I was supposed to have him on the show towards the uh, the Herschel Walker you know, uh, you know, runoff. And I just kind of decided that I didn't want to do that to Rand again. Um, you know, like I, I was going to bring him on and, you know, he was probably going to try to pitch us on, you know, going out and, you know, supporting Walker. Uh, but that wasn't something that I really wanted to do. It's not something that I even cared about. And instead of, you know, beating Rand up a little more. Uh, I thought, you know what? Let's just let this one go. We don't need to do this. Um, as far as older Republicans and all that kind of stuff, Rand does a pretty good job up there. And his theater, if it is theater, if he's part of this whole thing, um, then you know he does a, a pretty good job at playing a part. But uh, there is a, a press conference where he talks about this $1.7 trillion, 4,000-page uh, Pelosi Schumer omnibus spending bill that is, uh, you know, being fast tracked through the Senate right now. And it's, it's, I don't know what he expects. You know, we've spent about $8 trillion, I think, in the last uh, couple of years alone. And now they want to spend another $1.7 trillion and 4,000 pages. Nobody's read the damn thing. Uh, and he talks about it a little bit here. I brought with me the Omni, 4,155 pages. When was it produced? In the dead of the night, 1.30 in the morning when it was released. Now, 
people argue that it's conservatives' fault, it's you don't have the Christmas spirit, somehow you're holding up government. Well, whose job is it to produce this? The people in charge of spending, the people in charge of both of the parties. When did they know that this would be necessary? Well, it's in the law, September 30th. You got nine months, almost 10 months, to produce a plan, to have a spending plan. They weren't ready on September 30th, so they voted themselves 90 more days. They weren't ready last week either, so they voted themselves another week. And now we have it at 1.30 in the morning this morning. But what's the clamor? The clamor is to vote. Vote now. Let's get it done. Why are you standing in the way of spending? Well, the real question is this. What is more dangerous? What is more dangerous to the country? $1.1 trillion in new debt, or as Republican leadership likes to say, oh, but it's a win. It's a big win. We're getting $45 billion for the military. So which is more important? Which threatens the country more? Are we at risk for being invaded by a foreign power if we don't put $45 billion into the military? Or are we more at risk by adding to a $31 trillion debt? I think the greatest risk to our national security is our debt. The process stinks. It's an abomination. It's a no-good, rotten way to run your government. $6 trillion entity, and they want 24 hours to process this, and then they want to go forward. I will be demanding two amendments. One, that this goes against the budget rules. The PAYGO rules say you can't do this. You can't have all this new spending unless it's offset. We will also be demanding that the PAYGO rules are increased. Instead of taking 60 votes to evade the rules, we're going to ask that it be a two-thirds vote to evade the rules. The American people don't want this. They're sick and tired of it. They're paying for it through the nose with inflation. Adding a trillion dollars to the deficit will simply fuel the fires that are consuming our wages and consuming our retirement plans. It's a terrible system. Someone needs to stand up. We're standing up, and we're going to say no. Okay. So I, you know, I know Rand is consistently the guy that does uh, the, the, the festivist reading and all that kind of crap of these spending bills. Listen, uh, this show is not completely about that. Well, we, we do have a reading for you in terms of an article, but what Rand says here is that, you know, we, the conservatives, are standing against this. We are standing up, you know, right in the face. of it. No, they're not. It's insanity. Over, I don't know, my lifetime especially, you know, George W. Bush and the Republican Congress then ramped up spending for war after war after war, year after year after year. Uh, they handed that off to the Democrats. They did exactly the same thing and never, ever slowed down a bit added to it. Uh, and that's like you, if you've been around, you know, in the Keynesian economy, a debt based economy, a slave based economy, you know, that they have to spend and they have to spend more every year to keep that economy going until nobody accepts that damn money anymore, right? They're just printing money. Uh, you know, the, the Fed chair, whoever it is at the time, right now it's Jerome Powell, is just cranking out more, more trillions than anybody in history. More trillions. Crazy thing to say, isn't it? But uh, the Republicans never stopped. George, or they, you know, they were, I think it was 2010 after Barack Obama was elected. The Tea Party came around. And the Republicans were like, man, give us the House. Uh, 
and we gave them the House. Give us the Senate, and we gave them the Senate. And they were like, get us the executive, and we will make shit happen. And uh, they didn't. They not only didn't make anything happen, they spent more than any group of people prior to them. So the idea that Republicans, Rand, conservatives, any of these people in D.C. will ever stand in, 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 in I guess, opposition, you know, minus maybe him, uh, Mike Lee, and, uh, oh, God, who's the other guy that I'm talking Andy Biggs and uh, the, the congressman Thomas Massey. You know, and it, like those, that's it. That's that's. I don't know if that's who's allotted. That's who gets to be the the people's favorite. That's the the people that give. Or I guess the the people in power that give the ordinary Americans a little bit of hope. If they could all just be like Thomas Massey or Andy Biggs or Rand Paul or Mike Lee, man, things would be better. The problem is, is the incentive structure will never facilitate any of that. The incentive structure is set up to condone and reinforce and support not only in in action, but literal executive power protection. It is incentivized for the people who continue to spend. The the people who continue to be closest to the, the power structure, the people who are allowing laws and bills to come to the floor in the Senate and the House. And it doesn't matter if it's Republicans. It doesn't matter if it's Democrats. Every time we turn around, the incentive structure, the fiat system incentive structure pushes this kind of behavior. It rewards this kind of behavior with re-election. It rewards this behavior with celebrity. It rewards this behavior with all sorts of protection from the government itself. The system is completely, absolutely, not astonishingly, predictably broken. DC is never going to fix itself. And as we've seen, I think Elon Musk even put out a tweet just, just recently, uh, which I think is fairly interesting. Uh, let's. I'm going to pull this up real quick. He took another poll. This isn't the one uh, that he asked if he should step down from Twitter. This is the one that came out 14 hours ago. It said, should Congress approve the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill? Right now, there are over 2.4 million votes with nine hours left. The majority of people on Twitter have weighed in in a resounding, 72.3% said no. That, if, if there was a, a democracy, a mob rule, rule by majority, that would be it. That would be the nail in the coffin, resounding nail in the coffin of the spending bill. But here's the thing is, we don't have a democracy in America. We don't have a constitutional republic. What we have is a rigged system by the people that are in the game, that play the game, that are the absolute rule keepers, that bend the rules, that bend history, that whitewash, that screw around and twist things, you name it. And the thing is, there are only about 20% 
of the nation. Only about 20% of this nation votes Democrat. Only about 20% of this nation votes Republican, leaving 60% of America to be ruled by one of these parties. 20%. What 20% of Americans demand, and it doesn't matter, like I said, the Republicans and Democrats at this point are interchangeable. You could swap them out. You will never, ever see more freedom. You will never, ever see less spending. You will never, ever see the common man not strung out, put out on a line, and sacrificed for these people in power. Incentive structure is all wrong. Elon made another tweet. He said, I'm in favor of a small spending bill to keep things running, but common sense suggests that it be the least amount required through the holidays. Railroading through a giant spending bill that almost no one has read is unlikely to be in the best interest of the people. He's absolutely right. 100% absolutely right again. Today, I've got a great article for you, and it talks just about this. It's very light. Um, it is a, a guest post uh, over at the Bitcoin Magazine. And let me pull this guy up for you guys. I love, you know, I, when, when I've got everything just ready to go for you. Uh, Bitcoin exemplifies fair and transparent rules. Uh, this is by Tim Niemeyer. And uh, we were talking just before I, and, you know, I asked him. I said, you know, do you, do you mind if I read your article? And uh, very gracious, uh, nice man. Uh, he's like, oh no, absolutely, please do. So um, this this article is about exactly what we've just been talking about. I will suggest to you that it is time to begin pushing back. A tax revolt is in our future. It is time. Most of us are not represented. We are not. We are not represented by Democrats. We are not represented by Republicans. And although there are a lot of people here from both of those camps that are looking for something new, a lot of people haven't been able to divorce themselves and say, I will not support them. I will not support them with my money and I will not support them with my votes. I am going to vote for the lesser evil. I'm here to tell you the only thing that you will win with any of this support for Democrats and Republicans is further enslavement, especially when they move to a central bank digital dollar or a central bank digital currency that maybe starts out in America, but is probably going to be centralized by some, I don't know, somebody with a, a really uh, different accent over in Europe, maybe like Klaus Schwab. This is a great article. It lays it out in simple Americana or Canadian language. Um, I'm not sure uh, where Tim is from, but uh, I know for a fact uh, he references in this article a, uh, a little bit of Canada and what happens up there when you protest against a regime for COVID lockdowns and shots. Make no mistake, ladies and gents, if you think that this doesn't get a little dicier before it gets better, you're wrong. That's why it's really important now to start making your way and opting out 
by learning what a new financial system that doesn't have any rulers, that has the same rules for everybody, and is consistently applied and consistently and morally incentivized for this for everybody. This is the time. It's time to learn. So without further ado, this article by Tim Niemeyer, Bitcoin exemplifies fair and transparent rules. I hope you enjoy. Bitcoin exemplifies fair and transparent rules. Bitcoin is a fair and transparent system because its rules are set and consistently enforced, allowing for a level playing field for all participants. Tim Niemeyer, December 12th, 2022. This is an opinion editorial by Tim Niemeyer, a Bitcoiner since circa 2018 and co-host of the Lincoln Land Bitcoin Meetup in Springfield, Illinois. Quote, I tell the kids, somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. Just don't fight about it. Just try to get better. Yogi Berra. Let's pretend we're playing a game of baseball. Aside from the occasional blind umpire, the rules are pretty fair and consistent. In our particular game, though, let's pretend I'm not only the opposition, but also the umpire, rule maker, and historian. When you score a run, I can overturn the call. After the game, I can change whatever rule could have prevented your run in my favor. Just for good measure, because I can, I strike your run from the record books. How long would you want to play before you chose to quit and play a different game? There may be some that prefer playing a game where a central authority makes the call. Seems legit. Neither team has ultimate control, so it should be fair, right? In this situation, both sides must, or should, agree to not only the rules, but who makes and enforces said rules. Unfortunately, human nature creeps in. Handshakes are made, backdoor agreements are done, and, before you know it, one team has colluded with the central authority to gain some level of control over the rule set. When a game like this happens, where one side benefits from being nearer to the source of control, we claim the game is rigged. Everyone, regardless of political orientation, has witnessed numerous situations where the other side has seemed to rig the game in their favor. The easy route is to blame the other side and call them bad, evil, or cheaters. The fault lies, though, in the way the game was set up in the first place. If two sides were playing a game and I walked up wanting to play, what options would I have? If I had friends on one side... I could jump right in with them. If I were a little more opportunistic, I could watch an inning and determine which side is currently dominating, then join that side. This becomes an endless cycle of not playing the game, but playing the game inside the game. Tug of war over the rule book. As I watch this game more intensely, I observe many players looking like they don't even want to be playing. They look by choice or unconscious habit, like they are just going through the motions because they either don't realize that the game is rigged, or they do in fact realize the game is rigged, and they just keep playing and hoping their side somehow seizes control of the rulebook. It seems like there are a lot of disillusioned spectators. I wonder if they can sense it's a rigged game. The more I watch this game, I notice the players spending an unnecessary amount of time not actually playing the game, 
but rather bickering over balls and strikes. Each inning is more about debating the rules than it is playing the game. I wonder why they choose to keep fighting over their game. Then, I see one of the multitude of rules posted. You must play this game only. Players are not allowed to make their own game and rules. At this point, I scoff and walk away. The game just loses its appeal. Why would I choose to play a game that I don't have any say over, if or how I get to play or not? Can I consider it a game if I'm coerced to play by an ever-changing rule set manipulated by players with clout and connections? It doesn't seem fair. What's not fair about it is not the outputs, but the inputs. When the inputs are subject to change by whomever is the most politically connected, the outputs become increasingly distorted. This is not a game I'm willing to play. What if? When I first walked up to the game already playing, I was perceptive enough to notice it was already rigged. Then I looked across the way and noticed another game. As I watched this game, I noticed all the players are there voluntarily, although they have friends playing in the rigged, top-down, created game. They've chosen to play a game in a fair, bottom-up created game where the rules were set prior to gameplay. No one, regardless of power, status, or hierarchy, has the ability to change the rules, and the rules are enforced by an impartial observer. This new, fairer game is Bitcoin. As venerable gigabrain Robert Breedlove states, quote, In games, fixed rules lead to peaceful gameplay. If you're spending time fighting over the rules of the game, then you're not playing the game. You're engaging in politics. In economics, such fighting lessens aggregate wealth creation. Bitcoin is fixed rules fixing economics. As far as this meager rules-based article is concerned, spoiler alert, Bitcoin is the ultimate tool to compensate us for our time and energy in a way that is moral, unconvoluted, incentivized, and unwaveringly enforced. On the other hand, fiat and now central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, are in stark contrast. While you may want a game's rules to be set and consistently enforced with no entity able to change the rules to benefit themselves, the centralized rule set of fiat and CBDCs are ever-changing, ever-growing, and immorally incentivized to benefit those with the control. While aiming for a monetary system that is equal is admirable, it presupposes the people creating the rules will not succumb to the human nature and adjust the rules to benefit themselves and their immediate circle. Can you criticize fiat and eventually CBDC's umpires without getting kicked out of the game? Well, you can just ask truck drivers in northern North America or nonviolent citizens in Europe. Furthermore, allowing a central authority to change the rules at their whim we are allowing damaging incentives to enter into the game. This manipulates basic market economic signals, which distorts reality. When one small group has the ability to choose who plays, permission to spend, adjusting pitch clocks, money expiration, have only one scoring card, centralized node, inconsistently enforced, 
unpredictable policy or scoring based on perceived niceness, social credit scores, you create a game that's immoral, convoluted, incentively misaligned, and inconsistently enforced. Bitcoin, well, fixes this. It's a fair game. It's ironic that early Bitcoiners were ones who disregarded legacy rules to opt into a fair, rule-based system. Rules without rulers, you know? Playing the game of Bitcoin, you can play knowing the rules are fair. Spend without permission or expiration. You can have ownership over the rules, run your own node, and securely self-custody. And you can play the game more freely with predictable and set rules, fixed supply, and monetary policy. You can do all this by simply opting out of the current centralized game of fiat and its digital kissing cousin, CBDCs. Thank you for reading. If you enjoyed it, please share with your normie, pre-coiner, and non-technical friends. I'll leave you with a quote from one of my favorite books. The Moon is a Harsh Mistress by Robert Heinlein. Quote, I will accept any rules that you feel necessary to your freedom. I am free no matter what rules surround me. If I find them tolerable, I tolerate them. If I find them too obnoxious, I break them. I am free because I know that I alone am morally responsible for everything I do. This is a guest post by Tim Niemeyer. Opinions expressed are entirely their own and do not necessarily reflect those of BTC Inc. or Bitcoin Magazine. Great article, Tim. Uh, ladies and gents, I hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, it, it makes it very simple it, you know, to, to be able to, to regress. And this is something that I try to do a lot of times when I talk to people that are maybe not as knowledgeable uh, as you know this crowd and the, the people within the Bitcoin, the Liberty, uh, what, all the circles that you know, I, I love and I'm a part of and have been just so humbly accepted into like this, this crowd, uh, you guys are way further ahead. And I will tell you to be able to reach back in this technique where you reach back into childhood is a fantastic, absolutely extremely powerful way to get people to lower their guard a bit because a lot of times people have made peace and forgiven their, their, themselves uh, with childhood, right? And they, 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 they go back to a more innocent time. And when they can sit there and they can see plain as day without the, I don't know, the, the absolute tsunami of media, of public opinion, of all these other things like that corrupt and justify and somehow you know, make it okay for adults to do these kind of things to not only other adults, but kids. I mean, literally, they have robbed the future. They have robbed your kids, your kids' kids, generations to come. They have robbed those kids and the system. And that's that's something that we've got to fix. This illustrates, this, this great article uh, by Tim illustrates this to a T. It shows the incentive structure uh, that they've put in a fiat system is absolutely rigged. 
You got no chance whatsoever um, in terms of playing, quote unquote, by the rules, right? Like, that's the thing. Playing by the rules in a fiat system, if you aren't the powerful, you're bound at some point or another to lose your ass. And that's the thing is, you you may win a game or two here or there. You may, depending on who you're up against. If they're if the umpires like you, if they if you're more connected to them, I don't know what, but I'm going to tell you, it's not a level playing field. It never was. It never will be in a fiat system. This beautifully illustrates all of that. It illustrates the path out. It illustrates exactly how we would have thought of this as innocent children. You tell an innocent child right now that the game is rigged, the monetary game is rigged. What do you think your children would do? You think your children want fiat <laughs> when uh, when you give them you know money for teeth, or do you think they want something a little harder, something that is a little more saleable over time and space and scales, that's going to be not only around when they get to spending it, that has the same value, or, my gosh, has increased in value since taking custody of their very own Bitcoin. This article lays it out perfectly. Thanks again, Tim. Uh, It was a fun read, and I, I really appreciate the technique of reaching back into childhood, simplifying things through a lens of innocence. Absolutely phenomenal technique. Um, ladies and gents, tomorrow I have a special guest, a guy that I've wanted to talk to and a guy that I've actually admired in journalism for a long time. Um, he's going to be on my show tonight uh, at, I believe it's seven o'clock and I will put out a reminder, uh, at seven o'clock tonight, he is out of Atlanta or was out of Atlanta until they canned him. Uh, his name is Ben Swan. And we made a connection and I said, hey man, I'd love to have you on the show. Uh, I've, I've respected Ben for a very long time because he was one of the first guys to go out there and start to try to crack open the entire pedo case. And as a result, um, when he did this, I think it was CBS that uh, they put him on administrative leave. Know something about that. At any rate, um, he's going to be my guest tonight. I will have the audio portion of that show for you guys manana. Uh, But until then, uh, if you love the show and you'd like to support it, you can go to patreon.com slash radicalpod or you can cash at me at Shane Hazel. Either one of those guys makes a phenomenal difference for me and my family and for Radical and this audience. Uh, We've transitioned completely into doing this full time now. And I got to tell you, I am hunting the right people to sponsor the show. We've got some people lined up for the new year. And if you know anybody else or know some great sponsors that want to be a part of it, I'd really appreciate the help. Uh, anything that you can do, uh, you can reach me at shane at radicalpod.com. You can listen on Fountain FM. You get sats and I get sats. Produce and create and consume, and we all win together. Uh, Over at Fountain FM, it is a podcasting app where you earn sats or Bitcoin uh, for listening. So if you're already listening on one of those other players like, I don't know, Spotify or Apple or any of those kind of things, uh, maybe go check out Fountain FM and get paid for your time to listen. 
uh, outside of all of that, ladies and gents, it is my absolute honor and I am humbled to death to have you in this crowd. I hope you are having a great Christmas season as we head into this uh, this weekend with each other. Uh, I just absolutely adore you guys and I appreciate you guys sticking with me through this extremely tough year. Uh, we are going to absolutely blow the lid off of it in 2023 and do some amazing things. And that's all because of you guys. The, the numbers are just outstanding. So thank you guys so much for everything, for sharing, for retweeting, doing everything you can to bring attention to what we're doing here. Until next time, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people. Don't take this back.